Welcome back to Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. Today, we are launching our special summer mini-series where Key and I are going to share about what's going on with us. What's going on in our lives, because it's a lot going on. So with that, let's just jump right in. Yeah. Okay. So Key. Yes. What's going on with you? So much is happening. I am in... I think a major transition personally, professionally, geographically, also just I think internally and externally. I think it's just a full on transition What it feels like I am shifting and changing. I feel like I'm breaking and being stretched. My mindset is shifting a little bit to perspectives. I guess, a.k.a. I am just on a self-discovery journey in the healing journey. And just in life. So there's a lot of moving pieces right now. And one of the things that I am practicing very heavily is setting boundaries and having better boundaries with all the areas of my life. What's going on for you, Bridget? (laughs) I feel like there's always something going on. I think boundaries are our constant. For me personally, boundaries are showing up in balance and in making space for myself amidst all the many projects that I have going on and all of the things that I am choosing to create in my life, all of the projects are my own. I feel blessed that I get to create my businesses, my projects, and sometimes... I will not make the space for myself for self-care because in my mind, I'm the one that wants to do these things. But the truth is that having healthy boundaries that create space for my own self-care are critical to finding success. And you can't see my air quotes around success, but success because success being my own personal definition of success is only possible when I set those self-care boundaries. So I can absolutely understand and completely relate to the topic of boundaries. You hit on a really good point. We're constantly on a journey. We know that on a healing journey, on the journey of setting boundaries, having balance, and then also specifically with like self-care. So we talk about seasons a lot, and that's generally how I look at my life, and seasons can be long or short. In the transition, right, like I feel like we always have to recalibrate, which is why it's good to have routine, because even when we stray away from the routine, it's like muscle memory. We know how to get back to like the self-care, but sometimes the reality is it just doesn't happen. It goes by the wayside because of all the things that we're juggling with family, relationships, work, businesses, you know, and so I get that too, you know, because I feel like I've had a balance of practicing self-care and not practicing it because it's not just as we've talked about and a lot of our guests talk about, it's not just the massages and the nails and the feet and all of that stuff and the facials. 
But self-care on a deeper level looks like pausing and being still and reflecting and journaling, doing things that really develop the internal and allows us to get feelings, thoughts, emotions, all those things out, right? And so sometimes when we are juggling so much and in transition, we can be moving fast and we can be moving a lot and it gets lost, but we can come back. It's like a seesaw. Life is definitely up and down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a roller coaster, honestly. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> it's more than a seesaw. It's a roller coaster and it's a tornado. It's a whirlwind. It's all of those things. But I have been in a place of, actually, I was coming from Columbus and on my way, I had a gratitude moment. I've been in constant gratitude, honestly, but I had a gratitude moment where I was able to cry and cleanse. It's a beautiful day, right? And I can look at the clouds in a clear blue sky, and I can look at nature, and then I'll start to just feel grateful. And then I'll start to think about my life, think about how far I've come, the growth, the hardships, the areas for improvement. There's a lot of things that I was thinking about on the ride back, and I just started to like cry because I was thinking about just my life journey and how where I am today in this moment I was just really happy. I was happy to be in that moment. And then I was just like, in spite of, in spite of the hardships and the things that I've endured and I've experienced and I've gotten through, I just felt a sense of thankfulness. And it caused me to cry in just a grateful way. And it felt so good. It was something that I needed. And I found in this era or time in my life, I found myself doing that a lot, probably once a day. It's been feeling good and I've I'm coming out of grieving, but I've been in a place of balancing grief and excitement and not deep sorrow grief, but like a letting go grief, a letting go and moving on grief. It's been overwhelming. I've been feeling all the emotions and it's been intense. <laughs> it's been intense. It sounds appropriate. Yeah. Did you know that the chemical makeup of our tears changes depending on the emotions we're feeling when we're crying? So tears of gratitude have a different chemical makeup than tears of sadness. I didn't know that. Which I find incredible, right? That's the biological definition, or you can look at it under a microscope. But it makes so much sense because tears are a release. And so we're releasing whatever emotion is pent up at the time that we're crying. And tears can be so healing so incredible, whether they are sadness or whether they are gratitude or whether they are anger. It's such an incredible way to let go of strong emotion, to feel them and release them. Tears are powerful. Oh, yeah, they are. I've made them a normal practice because it's something that I don't think I used to do often. I used to be a child, I think, and probably through high school, maybe even college. I used to be a person that held a lot of things in, very much in my mind, processing how I felt about things that either happened to me, that I experienced from my own decisions and choices. And so, like, to be here now, I'm grateful for that. So that's part of, like, you know, when I do release and I cry, And I reflect, I allow myself to feel 
and whatever emotion I'm feeling, I just give it the space that it needs, right? Because it needs to get out. And that's what I understand is that holding things in can cause certain things to happen. You know, we talked about it in our bodies and can cause us to project. It could cause a number of things. So crying, releasing is definitely liberating. Yeah, and it doesn't always mean something's wrong. It just means that we are feeling. And I'm a feeler because I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> I'm, I'm deep in them emotions. <laughs> and my ascending and rising sun, ascendant and rising sun is a cancer. So I'm a double water sun. I'm <laughs> very much in my feelings. And now that I'm making that connection, being a feeler and not having allowed my emotions to come out when I was younger makes a lot of sense for it. It's just like I can't keep anything in now, right? I can't. I can't not be vulnerable. I hear that. So I started my healing journey as a result of a breakdown slash breakthrough. We've talked about this before, but I remember journaling and describing what I was feeling at the time. And I felt like there was a dam in my mind and behind that dam was water. And what it was, was it was all the tears that I had never cried. And they were pressing on this dam and the dam was cracking and I was starting to cry. And so when I finally let myself release and I let myself feel all of that pain that I had put behind a facade, right? That dam represented a facade. But once I felt all of those feelings, I cried like multiple times a day for like months. And now... Rather than stifle those tears, again, whether they're gratitude tears or whether they're sadness tears or memory tears or whatever they are, rather than stifle them, I let them come out. And sometimes, sometimes it's not real convenient. Like in a business meeting, I'm like, hold on, sorry. But the truth is like, oh, it's so much more freeing. And honestly, it allows me to move through whatever's coming up and not hold it, right? It doesn't stagnate. That feeling doesn't stagnate or remain. It allows me to move through it and move on and find peace in it. Yeah, there's so much peace. So, yeah, like that drive was good. It was so funny because, like I said, I've been feeling all the emotions and all that drive. I was just jamming out to my music, had the windows down, feeling the air on my skin. I probably shouldn't have did this, but the sun and just like this day felt so good. And I'm looking at the nature, the trees and everything. And I closed my eyes a few times to take some deep breaths while I was driving. I shouldn't have did that, but I didn't swerve. I stayed in my lane. But so I did those deep breaths and then I kind of moved into reflecting on my journey in life while I was listening to music and still kind of jamming. But then I felt my tears starting to come down. And so it was just like all the emotions, like I'm having a good time, I'm dancing and everything, and I'm still singing along to the words while I'm crying. And it's like, thank you, Lord. I'm just grateful for keeping me through all the things of life, right? You know, and it was a beautiful moment. It was a beautiful moment. I'm grateful that I had that time and that space to just be by myself. And I got a call to come through and I'm like, nope. So you talk about boundaries. Nope. I'm just like, this is my time, right? Like I want to just be present. What's incredible about that key and is that there's a space for gratitude for the things outside of us, right? For the blessings. But there is so much healing and being grateful for the work we have done. And so what you're describing is just sitting in how far you've come. What you have triumphed over your resiliency. And we don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about how critical and how important it is to pause, look backward, and really be grateful for ourselves 
to celebrate what we have overcome, what we've experienced, what we've chosen, and to allow ourselves to feel that gratitude. It's so important and so impactful. It really is. Absolutely what you just said, because what I've been doing also in this season to that point, I've been looking in the mirror when I go and it's not kind of on purpose. It is on purpose, but it's not like intentional at first. Right. Like any time that I go into the bathroom, wash my hands, use the restroom or find myself in front of a mirror. Right. And then I'm just present in that moment. And what I have found myself saying is. I'm proud of you. The younger version of Kiana is proud of you. And in doing that practice, it has honoring the growth. Honoring and acknowledging the growth through the trials, through the tribulations, through all the things that people don't see. Because, you know, I don't put on for other people just because I have made it through. I don't look like what I've been through, but I do have wounds and scars. And man, that has been a healing process for me in and of itself. Honoring and acknowledging the little girl in me, her letting me know that she is proud of who I've become, of the person I chose to be, because we have many choices to be all kinds of people. And there's a lot of people who choose not to be their greatest self. And in spite of trauma, you know, a lot of times when we go through trauma, that can make us very hardened and bitter and negative and pessimistic. But I've chosen the other side of optimism and positivity and all of those things and even though you know I still come into contact with people who mistreat me or who don't honor me I still choose to be that person and so when I look in the mirror and the little girl in me wants to come out and acknowledge where I am today I don't even know how to explain that feeling Bridget but I'm grateful because I feel like I'm in alignment with all the versions of myself And that is a priceless feeling. And I'm only 33. And I hope that I continue on this journey so that the 33-year-old Kiana can be proud of 43-year-old Kiana, you know. But to be here today, like, it's something. So I encourage every woman, every person, every man, child, too, to try that practice because, to me, what it's doing is letting go of shame, guilt, the past that we are not always happy with the decisions and choices we've made in life. But through the resilience and through the overcoming, we can acknowledge how far we've come and where we've come to. I'm telling you, this season has been so emotional for me. It's just been overwhelming. That's incredible. A couple of things come up for me with the I'm proud of you. So one of them is when people say that to me, Or in the past, when people have said to me, I'm proud of you, I prickle. I don't like it. And I've had to sit in, why don't you like it? The truth is, I don't like it because I don't feel it. Anytime somebody compliments us and we prickle, we don't like it. It's because there's cognitive dissonance, right? So when someone says to me, I'm proud of you, I prickle because I don't feel it. Which means I need to look myself in the mirror and say, I'm proud of you because In order for me to accept that from others, I have to believe it about myself. So that's incredibly powerful. The other thing that came up for me is that you talked about the younger version of you saying, I'm proud of you. And the truth is that it's not only the younger versions of ourselves. 
All of our ancestors wished for us to be here, wished for us to be doing. We are the fulfillment of our ancestors' hopes. And I think about that a lot because I know the trauma that my mother experienced, that my grandmother experienced, that her mother experienced. I know those stories. And I also know that they didn't necessarily have the tools that I have. And so whether they are present in the world today or whether they are looking from the beyond, I know that they are proud of me. And that's how we break cycles. We break cycles by doing the work that we can be proud of, but then we break cycles by being proud of ourselves. Yes, and acknowledging it. It is a powerful practice. And I encourage everyone to do it. Just try it. It may be uncomfortable at first, may seem a little silly. You do feel that. It's not anything vain at all. It's affirmation, right? It's affirmative. It's positive affirmation. It's us learning how to pour into ourselves instead of seeking that out from other people. You know what I mean? And getting into that practice of acknowledging how far we've come, that takes being present, takes courage to be able to do that. And you said something about, you know, our ancestors. That's something too. Like I've mentioned before, I have a memory bear of my grandmother with her robes and it sits in my office and I have my grandfather's, one of his favorite hats. And I have it sitting out next to her on one of my office chairs. And every morning I go in and I speak to them. Every time I go into the room, right? I go in, hey, Nanny and Papa, kind of talk to them about my day. But there are times where I'm just like, I'll ask the question first. I wonder if you guys will be proud of me today. Then I'll kind of sit in that. And I'm like, I know that y'all will be proud of me today. I know that y'all will be pleased with where I am today and where I'm going because I've implemented the principles and the lessons and the desires that they have for me. For instance, like becoming financially stable and secure. As Black people... There is a huge generational wealth gap, right? You know, so I don't take it lightly or it is not lost on me that I am a privileged black woman. I mean, my ancestors and the people's whose shoulders I stand on, right, they broke a lot of generational curses, too, for me to get to where I am and breaking generational curses in other areas like healing and being able to excel. And so before they passed away, but even before we knew they were going to pass away, what they always talked about was Being able to be self-sufficient, take care of your own, to save money, to invest in all of those things. And so when I think about the growth that I've had personally, but also professionally in other areas of my life, I think about and honor and acknowledge that I, too, am my ancestors and grandparents' wildest dreams. And so I think that is a healthy practice for us, not only to honor and affirm ourselves and to acknowledge how far we've come, but also to think about what the desires of our ancestors were and how we are becoming that and walking in it. And that is a part of the individual healing, but the collective family healing at the same time. Because we're breaking generational curses for ourselves, but for the family, because we are representative of them. So I resonate 100% with that, Bridget. It has been an interesting time and space, and I'm, I'm grateful for it, though, because I don't think no time before now could I have ever experienced all the emotions that I've been experiencing and been able to properly honor them. No time before now. It's been an interesting time. And in that... Going back to boundary setting, 
because I have been in this space kind of involuntarily, (laughs) I have had to be very careful or uh, protective of my energy and of my light and really understanding and taking stock and assessing who, what, and where that is being taken away and who, what, and where is pouring in. So I've been very intentional about only being around sources of pouring in energy, not taken away from me because I have needed all of it (laughs) to experience and sit in the emotions that I needed to feel in this time. And it's been somewhat challenging because, as you know, setting boundaries with people and work and community and projects and business is very difficult, but it's a work in progress and I don't feel bad about it anymore. I'm doing it unapologetically because it's needed. It's a necessity. Self-preservation has been my number one priority. And I've been working through it with my therapist, really understanding how to set and uphold my boundaries. Sometimes I'm good. Sometimes I'm really bad at it. And that's when I start to feel the heaviness of everybody's stuff because I'm also an empath. I know how to manage my stuff. But when I start to feel all these other things, I know it's not my stuff. I get a little bit, a lot more assertive with like boundary setting. And it doesn't feel good to other people. And I've thought about that. And I would find myself as an empath trying to put their feelings above mine. And I'm like, no, Kiana, no. So what I've started to say is no period, out loud, no period, no period, boundaries. It's been an interesting time, Bridget. (laughs) The word no is actually a yes to self, you know, like saying to someone, no, I don't have the energy for that. Or no, I'm not going to take that on. Or no, you can't have that time is saying yes to self. And as women, (laughs) we are conditioned from the time that we are really young to be accommodating of others' needs societally, women are supposed to show up in a certain way that is accommodating and caretaking and people-pleasing and all of those things that denies us the ability to say no. And taking back that power, taking back that, you know, I get to choose. I get to choose. And in this moment, I'm choosing this for myself, which means, no, I can't do that for you, is extremely powerful. And honestly, it's a practice. It takes practice. Mm -hmm. For me, I had to start with a maybe. So I would not say yes to anything in the moment because I found it hard to say no. And so everything was a maybe. And then I would sit later and decide, which allowed me to say no, right? And eventually I got to the point that I could say no in the moment. But I had to start with a maybe because I had been so conditioned that no was a bad word. Well, you know, I think for me, I got to the no period because I don't like feeling obligated. I don't like feeling obligated when I really don't want to. And it's not malicious. No, it's not malicious. It is a boundary. And what I've learned about myself in friendship, in family, in relationships, in work, in community, in all the areas that I exert myself, I have been blurring boundaries. I've been letting people in places and projects and things and tasks get a little too comfortable. And I've assessed that because I'm just like, well, why would they think that that was okay? Why would they think I want anything else on my plate? It's because I've been the yes woman. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, okay, it's not even them. It's the Kiana thing, right? Key has to do better with saying no. Key has to do better with placing boundaries and upholding them and communicating 
and no period for me is not explaining. Right. I don't feel like I need to explain. I used to like say no, because and it's just like, but why am I even doing that? So I will even catch myself today. Like if I'm going to say no and I'll start to text out the explanation and I'm like, uh, uh-uh. like you see on movies where you start to text and you like erase, erase, erase. <laughs> no, period. And if you want to then say a why, then you can make that step. But what I am trying to practice more is modeling healthy boundaries to people, modeling self-dependence and being self-sufficient and not where you have to just suffer. But one of the things, and I think we may have talked about this in one of the episodes before, is that I feel like sometimes, like especially with people that's closest to us, family and friends, we will take people's opportunity of them being self-dependent and self-sufficient away because we're constantly showing up and saving them, enabling them. And it's just like, no, how will you ever learn the lesson? And then I'm getting upset because I feel like I'm guilty by association because your lesson is my lesson when it doesn't need to be my lesson because I keep showing up. And not that I'm not ever going to be there to be your support, but like I feel like a responsible support system is also holding you accountable and saying, no, you need to sit in this. This is your decision. Handle it the same way I handle my stuff. That's been what I've been practicing lately and it's been a challenge it really has it's been a challenge you know because of course people are like oh you're being mean and somebody had a nerve to tell me like I said boundary like you need to respect my boundaries they were like what what do you mean you need to use a different word no I don't I mean what I say (laughs) like that word means no (laughs) no to what you're talking about and I mean that I don't need to use a different word so sometimes boundary becomes offensive to people and they're like they hear it as a something like shut up or something derogatory. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> Maybe we should define what boundaries mean. Right. I think you're touching on that. Some people see boundaries as a negative thing. Right. And I think some people think boundaries are ultimatums. Right. Those are two different things entirely. So what do boundaries mean to you? So boundaries to me means setting clear lines that shouldn't be crossed and really being clear about that, right? Like this is a line that you should not cross. Once you cross that line, we have an issue and we need to discuss it and address it, right? A lot of times when you're close to people, right, your closest people, we don't have those conversations so they don't know that they've crossed the boundary. So what happens? They keep doing it and they keep doing it, but we never say anything. Until we're tired and we burnt out. It's almost like holding something in and resenting somebody for it. And you keep letting it happen. And then you blow up. And that's why I don't want to happen. Because I've done that before. For me, the way I define boundary is a clear line that should not be crossed. And so what that means for me is that I need to be very clear and concise in the way that I set and say what the boundary is. So there is no room for error or misunderstanding. That's what it is for me. So what is it for you, Bridget? Yeah, so I was going to piggyback on that. To me, a boundary isn't personal, what I'm willing to accept and not accept. So I am not saying you, other person, have to behave a certain way. What I'm saying is that this is what I want in my life or this is what I'm willing to accept in my life for me. And in order for you to be in my life, here's what I'm willing to accept and not accept to be in my life or not my life. That sounds pretty harsh. But what I mean by that is I get to define who is close to me and what behavior is acceptable in my world, right? For example, if you are posting 
fat phobic content on your page. And in conversation, personally, you make fat phobic jokes. There's an example, right? I don't want that in my space. I don't want that in my brain. I don't want that. So I'm going to start by saying, you know what? I find this offensive. And here's why I find it offensive, right? I'm going to give you a chance. And then if your initial response is defensiveness and to say, it's funny, I'm going to say, I don't find that funny. I find it offensive. I'm going to give you a chance. And then I'm going to say, but if you post another post like that, I'm just going to tell you I'm going to unfollow you. That's my boundary. It's not because I'm trying to change your behavior. I mean, I would like for you to change your behavior because I find that offensive. But the truth is, I don't want to read that. I don't want that in my world. And then if you're in my presence and you say it again, I'm going to say, look, I find that offensive. I don't want you to talk that way around me. What you do somewhere else, that's your business. And I can't control you. And I'm not trying to control you. What I'm trying to control is what I consume, what is in my world. Everyone has a choice as to how they behave. What is in my mind and what is in my world and what is in my space affects me. And so a boundary for me is this is the energy that I want in my world. It's set in a tone. It's set in a tone. Absolutely. I mean, and also, I did look up the definition for boundary. It encompasses what we both said. It is a line that marks the limits of an area, a dividing line, right? You know, so with what you're saying is, like, you're marking the line of not being negative against body shaming, right? You know, you don't want to be around that. So, like, sometimes what that means, you said you don't want people to change. And I would say for those people in my life, who want to be in my life, I do expect them to change if they want me to be around. I don't do negativity either. I don't do negativity or mess. Don't bring it to me. I don't want to gossip. That's not what I find pleasure in. So if you want to be in my life, I'm asking you to either refrain or change. Like I'm going to encourage you, empower you to change and have a different mindset or perspective. But if you don't, right, like then I'm okay with not engaging, right? But then there's people who are like, no, but I want you in my life. Well, okay, what that means, you're going to have to change then. Or this just really isn't going to work out because I don't know how to coexist in spaces that I feel like my boundaries are constantly being crossed and disrespected. So I'm okay with not going into those spaces, but then other people are not okay with me not being there. And so that is something that I feel like I am challenged with making decisions. Okay, well, do I want to cut this person out completely or do I need to be like more lenient? And it's just like, no, if I feel like something truly does bother me or feels toxic to me, I don't know how to be there. So I'm just not going to engage. I personally am okay with that. I completely resonate with that. I mean... I have set boundaries that have resulted in people not being in my life anymore. And that is not a sudden thing. It is many conversations. It is many explanations. I currently don't speak to my parents. And a lot of people have thoughts about that. They are your parents. They gave you birth. They raised you. And I completely agree. And I can love them without having an active relationship with them. And that is a result of multiple conversations and boundaries being crossed over and over again to my detriment. And honestly, making the decision to say no contact has been incredibly good for my mental health. And again, I love them and I appreciate them. And no contact is the best thing for me because 
the boundaries were crossed so many times that I felt as if there was no other option but to create a wall, create more than just a boundary, a very strong barrier of no contact. So I agree, right? There are some relationships where I can say, you know what, you live that life, I may not agree with it, but when you're with me, this is the behavior that I expect. But then sometimes, honestly, those boundaries have to get stricter and stricter in order to protect our well-being. Absolutely. And so it's like boundaries, if they so choose to finally say, okay, we need to do something different in order to be in our daughter's life. And then they want to come back. They are now respecting the boundaries. That is okay too, right? Like, Because I don't think we're saying that if we have to cut people off or remove ourselves from a situation that it'll be like that forever, right? If there is shifting and changing in both of us, right? Because a boundary could, at another point of our life, not be a boundary for us anymore. We could have moved on from it. Because I do think boundaries sometimes shift and change. There is room for a re-entry, but it has to be in a positive space. Being in space with people who are causing detriment to our well-being is just like that's where boundaries need to be upheld and present, right? And I think that's what we're really saying. Absolutely. I actually had a girlfriend who in a group text, there was a, hey, let's get together. And her response in the group text was, I'm in a season of solitude, right? All of us understood that. That's a boundary. She's basically saying, I'm not coming out with all of you guys, right? A couple of months later, she sent me a message. She's like, hey, I'm coming out of solitude time. I'm coming out of hermit mode. Let's get together. Absolutely, right? That boundary is not her saying, I don't want you in my life. That boundary is her saying, right now, I am really going through some deep soul searching, whatever that was for her. And when I, as a receiver of that boundary, am in a healthy space, I can recognize it's not about me. Absolutely. And the truth is, anyone who is setting a boundary in your life, it's not about you. They are setting the boundary for them, right? I'm setting boundaries for myself. She was setting a boundary for herself. And you were talking about the fact that they come and go, right? That boundary was temporary for her because what she was going through. Right. And as she changes, her boundaries change. Same with the boundary with my parents. If things were to change, actually, I'm going to manifest when things change, right? When things change, those boundaries can change as well because boundaries are fluid. They are. And I'm glad that we had that conversation for people to understand that boundaries are an evolution just as we are an evolution. And as we always talk about, right, since we're just having this conversation, maybe we can share some of the tools and the tips that has helped us to set those boundaries. For me, so my last therapy session, you know, I was able to identify for myself, like, I'm not doing good with my boundaries right now. So I'm feeling some stuff that I don't typically feel. I'm feeling like I just want to cut everybody off. <laughs> and that means that I haven't been upholding my boundaries. So talking about that as the number one priority in therapy. And then I got some homework to do boxes. Like what are my boundaries and all the areas of my life that matter? Like list those boundaries. And then at what point are they being crossed? And so doing that exercise was really helpful for me because I broke it down into all the areas that I primarily show up. Community work, professional, like so my day job work my family relationships, and my friendships. Not dating right now, so that's not one. And one of the things, like, for work is I don't work on the weekends or in the evenings. 
for like one of my programs that's in the evenings, that's the day that I work in the evenings. But I have been practicing that for a while and I kind of waver sometimes. But what that looks like is I do not answer emails or calls on the weekends or in the evenings. So leave a message if it's important. If it's not, then it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? And so what I've heard people in my professional work say we're trying to be like key with these boundaries. Everybody know it's a joke, but it's true, right? Because they're watching me model that behavior. So also another tool that I use is modeling. I teach people how to treat me just as my mother has been saying ever since I was a child. You teach people how to treat you because people watch how you treat yourself. And if you treat yourself like shit, if you don't care about where you're being pulled and all those things, people will knowingly and unknowingly take advantage. They will follow your lead. So model your behavior and your boundaries that you want. Be clear, be concise, and assert yourself. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult because it can be uncomfortable when you are doing that with your friends and your family, people that you spend a lot of time with. Another thing with my friends is don't call me in the morning. Nobody calls me in the morning because that is the time that I pour in to myself so that I can go out into the world and pour out. I do my morning devotions, and people who still call, I'm like, they know this. So you're disrespecting the boundary. But I just don't answer the phone. And when they get tired of having a screened call, then I guess they're going to shift their behavior. So what are some of your tips and tools? Well, I was just going to reflect like that. I think those are really great examples, right? The, it's a great example that boundary setting is an internal thing first. It is saying I am not going to take work calls during evenings and weekends. That means I am changing my behavior. Before, I was available during those times. I'm not available during those times anymore. My mornings are for me, and I'm not going to answer phone calls. And so the internal boundary setting is always where it begins. You cannot expect anyone else's behavior to change if you are not holding yourself accountable first. And then as a result of that, then you can set boundaries. So, for example, I'm not going to take calls in the morning. Don't call me in the morning. And if you do call, I'm not going to answer. And that creates an understanding. So a similar example is I don't always answer texts right away. I very regularly put my phone down, don't look at it. And there are a few people that their phone will come through even if I'm on silent, right? My son being one of those people. But my friends know that I may not text you for a day. I may not text you for two days. It is not because I don't care about you, right? It is because I intentionally have put my phone aside or I want to give you the attention that that message deserves. And all of my friends know that. They know like, okay, Bridget didn't text. She might be out hiking or she's having a day or whatever it is. And that is not something that like I had to necessarily communicate to the world. Like I'm not going to respond to you. But that's an internal boundary. It starts inside with us setting our own expectations for ourselves. And to your point, right, you said people shouldn't take it personal, right? People shouldn't take our boundary setting personal to them. It is absolutely personal to us. So for those of you listening, if someone sets a boundary, don't make it about you. Almost always it's not about you. It's about them. And so that can help maybe manage some of the offense that may be felt or whatever the slight that you may feel because everybody's going through things everybody has a lot on their plates and that's another thing of being self-sufficient is learn 
to go to therapy because we do all have so much on our plate and there is a a very normal practice of dumping on each other. And that's a boundary too, right? So again, if we are trying to preserve ourselves, that's what the boundaries are for so that we can show up the way we need to show up, fulfilling the purpose that we were created to fulfill. You know, the idea of dumping on others, right? There's these standard concepts of people that have been wounded and how their boundaries show up and woundedness. There are people that have zero boundaries. So when you have zero boundaries, you're always giving others your thoughts, your opinions, you're always giving, but you're also always taking everybody's thoughts and opinions, right? So it's a completely fluid, I am telling you all of my stuff, but then I'm also taking all of your stuff because I have zero boundaries at all. The opposite is walls. So I don't let anyone in and I don't let you see me at all. And a wall is a barrier of like, it's a complete mask. I have the work version of myself and then I go home and nobody sees me and nobody knows me. And I don't really know you either because I have a wall. Those are the extremes, right? Yeah. Healthy boundaries are in the middle. In the middle. Balance. And have to be fluid because I may be in a space where I need something that looks pretty close to a wall because I'm going through a whole lot of stuff. And there may be a time in my life where I can take other people's stuff because I'm overflowing with my internal strength and I'm in a place where I can take on more. Neither of the extremes is healthy, but everything in between is like this ebb and flow of what I am capable of in the moment. And I may be able to have held space for the negativity for two months, but you know what? I can't anymore. And I have to set a boundary. And now you've got to go find that support somewhere else. And that does not mean that I don't love you and care for you and understand what you're going through. It just means that I can't take anymore because I need space now for myself. That's what boundaries are. Absolutely. You summed it up very well, Bridget. It's balance. So... I am very happy that we had this conversation about boundaries and just everything that we both have going on in our lives. And hopefully, you know, people will be able to resonate and learn and also maybe understand and identify for themselves where they need to have better boundaries and learn from some of the tips and tools that we've shared. You know, we started this thing because of these types of conversations and I am really excited about this summer mini series and about us kind of getting back to the roots of why we started this in the first place, which was these types of conversations and not only sharing our experiences and being a sounding board for one another, but being a support. And so thank you for sharing some tears with me today and some stories today. And I'm excited to continue this mini series with you. Me too, Bridget. And thank you because we are both in the transformation, right? In the tides. So that is exactly why the name of the podcast is so appropriate. Tears, Tides, and Transformation. A podcast about healing. I see new life. I see new tides. Carry on through the years, transform through the tears, the audacity of you going through it all, the audacity of you trusting self all along, 
I see 